morning once again. Um, we had been married um, just a few months, and my wife and I decided we needed to make some changes in our eating habits. And so it was a Saturday night, and we sat down around the dinner table, and it was one of those days where you kind of make some plans as a family. We're going to start a diet tomorrow, and we're going to hold each other accountable. And I want you to hold me accountable, and if I'm going to eat something that I shouldn't, I want you to call me on it, and if you're going to eat something you should, I'm going to call you on it, yeah, that's great. And we pray, and we, yeah, this is going to be a great day. So we're starting on Sunday, and we have a church potluck for a fifth Sunday. Oh, I know, you know where it's going, but it's, it's even better when you hear it. And Cammy is sitting with a group of ladies. There's about five of them at this table. And they're all talking, and I'm walking around just saying hi to people. And I walk up to their table, and Cammie goes, Hey, could you do me a favor and go get me another brownie? I thought, this is perfect. We talked about this yesterday. This is awesome. And I said, like any good husband who really cares passionately about his wife, do you really need another brownie? And five heads of ladies with these eyes that could cut through any piece of glass are staring at me. I had been set up. Like it, it was one of those, like, no, we had a deal. Like, we were both going to do this, and I did what I was supposed to. I'm in trouble. She wasn't really mad, but her friends were. And looking back on it, it was one of those times that things did not go the way that I expected they would. I expected me to say this and her to say, you know, I've already had one today. I'm kind of trying to be sensible and it's good. She throws me under the bus and leaves me there. And so I learned real quickly, sometimes things don't go the way that we expect. For the people of Israel, they have been waiting and waiting for this Messiah to come. Been waiting with expectation for him to come and to make things right and for him to become king of the world and for everything to be okay. And now Jesus is dead and he finds himself on a cross. And the people of Israel is, are starting to question and wonder what's going on and what's happened. And then Jesus dies. And they place him in a tomb. And they begin to question. And they begin to wonder. Then something amazing happens. Jesus is raised from the dead. And he appears to these disciples and to these people. And on one occasion, as they're sitting around having a meal with Jesus, his disciples ask him, in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, 
Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? We've been waiting for this Messiah, and this Messiah, this word means king. We've been waiting for him. And now everything seems like it's falling apart. And so the Messiah is here with us, and this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. Now he is going to restore Israel. Now he's going to do what he promises. And that's the question. Is now the time? That things are going to start to look the way we expected them to look. Because you have a people who are living under the curse of exile. But living with the hope of restoration. And they're waiting for God to come and for Messiah to show up and make everything right. And to restore Israel the way that it should be restored. And Jesus ascends back into heaven. And these people are left waiting for God's Spirit to show up. And at the end of this is a passage every one of you are probably really familiar with, especially, especially if you've grown up in our fellowship. Because it's a passage we've heard numerous times. Peter tells the people, when they ask what they should do, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise that, that we waited for is going to be restored in some way. And what's happened, I think, so many times in our fellowship is we've taken this passage out of its context. We've made it the centerpiece of the story. And what we've said the entire time, baptism was never the purpose. <coughs> baptism has always been a part of God's redemptive but the purpose was never that you would just simply be baptized. The purpose has always been that God was going to transform and renew and make new his creation. To restore it. And that's what the people are waiting for. They're waiting for restoration. God is now the time that you're going to restore Israel. And when we pull it out of its context... And we pull it apart and set it alone by itself. We miss the bigger part of the story that's being told as Peter preaches a sermon. This is part of a sermon that Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. And while baptism is a prominent part in the story, it is not the centerpiece. It is not what Peter is trying to get people to. He's trying to get them to restoration. He's trying to get the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. They're drunk. And Peter assures them it's only nine in the morning. They haven't had anything to drink yet. And then he goes on to tell them what is happening. And, and these are not going to be on the screen this morning. If you have a Bible or an iPad or an iPhone, Acts chapter 2. And we're going to spend some time with this sermon that Peter preaches. Acts chapter 2, beginning in 14. Then Peter stood up. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This term, be saved or salvation, synonymously with the last days. As the last days come, 
here's what's going to happen. Here's how you're going to know the last days. And when he says last days, he is not referring to this last day of judgment. He's referring to this. And then part of this last day, what's going to happen? God is going to do something new in this world by pouring out his spirit on all people. God's going to pour out his spirit in a way that's never been seen before. And his spirit is going to be a fresh, a breath of fresh air that runs through this world and brings hope and healing and renewal to the people of God. And so they're waiting. They're waiting for God to show up. They're waiting for Messiah. And Peter says, these are now the last days. And one of the ways you know that these are the last days because all of these signs and wonders that you're beginning to see are pointing to these last days. Where Messiah is going to reign, where Messiah is going to rule. And then he goes on in verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. So one of the ways that you know the last days are here is these signs and wonders. But the other way you know the last days are here is because the Messiah, the king, the true king of Israel, will be resurrected. He will be raised from the dead. Because what happens is evil does its absolute worst to Jesus. It does the worst it could possibly do. And Jesus does not respond like everyone else always does with revenge and hate coming back on the people who gave it to him. I love the way N.T. Wright says this. He says, at every stage of the process, Judas' betrayal, Peter's denial, the trumped-up charge, the kangaroo court, the cynicism of the Jewish leader, Pilate's vacillation and cowardice and indifference to justice, the coward, the crowd begging for blood, the mocking of the soldiers, and one at least of those crucified alongside him, Jesus' path to his death had been marked by all kinds of evil doing its worst to him. Evil does its worst to Jesus. And Jesus looks into the face of evil with arms outstretched on a cross and says, Father, forgive me. And if you remember back to the forgiveness series, we, we said that Jesus' initial reaction to sin was to forgive it. Jesus looks into the face of evil, evil doing its worst, and he says, Father, forgive them. And this is a new day that is born. A new day is born because in the face of evil, in the face of hate, he does not respond in kind, but rather responds with forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. And today, today will be a new day. Today is a new beginning. You see, in this story, Jesus, and Luke writes two books, if you aren't aware of this, okay? Luke writes the book of Luke, named appropriately, I think. And he writes the book of Acts. 
And the book of Luke is Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. There's somewhere that Jesus has to get. He has to get to Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where the principalities and powers all congregate and do their absolute worst. That's the, the center of evil. And what's amazing through the Gospels is Jesus does so much ministry in Galilee. And there he's relatively safe. But when he ventures south into Judea, where Jerusalem is the capital city, Every time, I think every time he enters Jerusalem, he has a brush with death. Because there he, he confronts the powers. And he has, and Luke has these stand-in powers. He has Herod, royal power. He, has, he can conquer the darkness and the evil. And what's so amazing about this march towards Jerusalem, every time a king goes to war, and they go to a city. They, have, uh, they use the sword. They use violence. They overtake. They overthrow. And they leave a wake of death and destruction in their path. But Jesus, as he journeys towards Jerusalem to become king, leaves healing and hope and restoration in his path. And this king looks different than all the other kings that have ever come before him. This is truly a new day because this king is not bent on violence and taking out those who can't stand. But rather healing and lifting up those who are hurting and in need and sick and lonely. And so death does its worst, but then what Luke comes along to say is, or through Peter, is it was God who raised Jesus from the dead. He resurrected him. And how do we know that this was a sign? He quotes from Psalm 16 as David says, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will also will rest in hope. And he says this, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. And we think David is saying that about himself. But I think David is speaking these words prophetically about the Messiah who will come. He is here to this day. This one who's not going to see decay, and you think it might be pointing to David, I can take you to his tomb, I can show you where he is, he's still there. But the one that you said would not see decay, and that death would not reign over him. But he was a prophet to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God and received from the Father, promised by the Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. All, all these things you see and hear, you're going to understand as Messiah. All these things that you're seeing, all these things that you're hearing about, is all pointing to this truth. He says, the Lord said to my Lord, again quoting from Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my 
right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Both Lord and Messiah. That through His death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus has now become King. But not just King over Israel, but King over the whole world. Because in His death, burial, and resurrection, He has conquered the powers of evil. They have done their worst, and they did not get the last word God did. As God Himself looks into the face of violence and evil and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And these people ask this question, well, what are we going to do? Because they were devastated by this news. They were devastated by this news that they were a part of killing, killing God's chosen one. And he tells them, repent. You, you need to make the decision to rethink everything. Because you're on this trajectory with the rest of this generation and from every generation before you. And if you remember back to the garden, as we talked about it in our forgiveness series, this move eastward away from the presence of God, continuing to move away from His presence over and over again. And He says, you need to repent, you need to turn. You're on this trajectory with the rest of them, and the only place that leads is death. You need to rethink everything. And you need to turn and come back to God and be a part of what He is doing in His world. Because to continue to move eastward is to continue to move towards death. To turn, to repent, to come back to God is to be a part of life. You need to repent and you need to enter this water to be baptized. And this time, your baptism, it's different from the one John preached. John continually taught these people, repent and be baptized. It was this baptism of forgiveness of sins. But this one was going to be different because John's was incomplete. It just simply pointed to the one who was to come. It pointed towards the Messiah. But it did not fulfill what he wanted. Repent and be baptized, this time in the name of Jesus Christ. To put him on and to become part of his identity. And yes, receive forgiveness. Yes, receive healing. Yes, receive restoration. But then there is this new thing that God is going to do in these last days. He's going to pour out His Spirit. He's going to pour out His Spirit on all people. And when God pours out His Spirit, now it's not just see and hear so that you understand. Now it's understand so that you see and hear the world differently than you ever have before. You look into the places of darkness and evil and you see the power of God at work in the world. And you look into the face of people and you see God in them, the image that they bear. And you see hope and healing and restoration in the, sign of, in the place of destruction and evil and hurt and pain. 
Luke has Jesus on a journey to Jerusalem. But in Acts, he has Jesus on a journey out of Jerusalem. This time, through the power of the Spirit, through the people of God. Taking hope and healing and restoration into this world. And just as he came to win the battle, he leaves in his wake hope and healing and restoration. He is bringing together all things in heaven and earth. He is making all things new. And what we've said through this series, that God's goal was never that you would just get baptized. God's restorative purpose has always been transformation. That your life would change and look different than ever before. And the question, okay, so what does that really look like? What what does that mean? How, how How do we see that in people's lives? I think it happens little by little each and every day. As each and every day we confess that Jesus Christ is Messiah and Lord and that we surrender and submit our life to him. And every day we are being changed a little bit at a time. And every day we're growing. And I've had people through this series say, well, maybe I just need to be rebaptized." And I would say, um, probably not. Well, but I know so much more now than I do. Well, that's the point. That's the point. You're supposed to be further along on the journey now than you were then when you decided. It's not this place that you come to, you say, I got it all together. That's what I thought. When I was 16 years old and I gave my, I thought I had to get to this point where I had it all together and I had it all figured out and I had everything changed and everything was in the right way, then I would be baptized, then I would receive God's Spirit, then I would be different. But that's not the way that it was ever supposed to be. It was supposed to be that we make this decision that we are completely unable to do this on our own and we need God's spirit and we need God's forgiveness and we need God's hope and we need God's healing and we need God's restoration so then I'm going to enter the waters and I'm going to find forgiveness and God's spirit is going to fill me and that is going to change me from the inside out. And I'm going to be seeing these fruits that begin coming out of my life. Love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and self-control. I think I missed a couple in there, but it's okay. Um, Love and patience. Like these are going to start coming out of my life, pouring and overflowing, and everyone's going to see a difference. And the way that I love people is going to change. And the forgiveness that I extend to people is going to be different because now we are a people formed by forgiveness, forgiven of everything by the king, and now saying now we forgive as we have been forgiven. That our life change in that moment as we entered into the water and we walked through the water into new life. And now God is using this transforming power of his transformed creation to transform this world. And he says this fellowship begins to look differently. And they start to meet together every day and teach and break bread and pray. And they're filled with wonders. And they have everything together and they hold everything in common. And they're there for one another. And this community starts to look different. It starts to look like a church. Because this church isn't just this collection of of people who gather 
once a week and sing some songs and listen to a sermon. But it's this collection of people that have been transformed by the power of God at work in their life. And now they live life differently as the community of God, as the people of God, a part of the kingdom of God. They're being transformed day by day by day. It's this journey, this pattern of faith, repentance, baptism, being filled with God's Spirit. Now a part of this divine community, living life on mission together as the people of God. You know, as we said, Luke's goal in the book of Luke was to get Jesus to Jerusalem. And his goal in Acts is to get Jesus out of Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter 47... There's a powerful vision that Ezekiel has. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, And then he brought me through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east. Which way is the movement away from the presence of God? East. And the water was trickling down the south side. And Ezekiel in this vision says that he called me out to the east. And he measured out a thousand cubits, and he said as he walked in the water, it was up to his ankles. And then he went a little further and said, come on, son of man, which is a prophetic name from Daniel chapter 7. Come on in. And he walks a little farther, and now the water is up to his knees. And he walks a little farther and says, come on, son of man, come on. And he walks a little water farther, and now it's up to his waist. And he goes a little further and says, come, come into the water, come on. And now it's a river that's flowing down out of the temple. And it's so deep that he can't stand and he can't even swim. And he says he pulls him to the side. And as he reaches the side, there are these trees that fill the side of this river that is flowing eastward. And it flows into the Dead Sea. And one of the things that Ezekiel says is everything the water touches comes to life. And it's flowing into the Dead Sea, and it's bringing life to everything it touches. And filling this river, or these banks with trees, everywhere the water flows toward the eastern region, goes down to Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh, and swarms of living creatures will live there. The river, wherever the, wherever the river flows. And then he ends with this. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. And their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. In this powerful vision, 
Ezekiel is invited into the water. And in this water, he finds hope and healing and restoration and renewal and forgiveness. This is the kingdom of God that was imagined long ago. And to enter into this water is to become a part of this kingdom, confessing the name of Jesus Christ, both as Lord and Messiah. It's an invitation for you and for your children and all those who are far off, all whom God is going to call, all who God will invite to come to the water and find hope and healing in the name of Jesus. Father, today um, we find hope and healing in the water. Father, not because of the power of the water, but because of the power of Jesus Christ that we encounter in the water. That it is the power that transforms, it is the power that changes, it is the power that leaves us different today than we were when we came. And Father, every single day we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we surrender and submit our life to Him and changing, being changed day by day forever and ever in your presence. Father, may we hold on to the hope that we have life in your name, not just someday off in the future, but today and every day, because you are doing something new in this world. You are restoring and making all things new. And Father, we wait in great expectation, because Father, we see and hear things differently now as a part of your kingdom, as a part of your people. Father, may we join together with you in the work that you're doing in this world. And may may we find hope and healing in Jesus' name as we walk through the water into new life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.